Hello, I'm Eric Chabro of GovInfoSecurity.com and Information Security Media Group, and I'm pleased to be speaking with Don Proctor, Senior Vice President at Cisco Systems and Executive Sponsor of Cisco's Cybersecurity Task Force. Welcome, Don. Hi, Eric. How are you? I'm fine. I appreciate you spending some time with me today. What is Cisco's Cybersecurity Task Force? Well, this is a, a very special uh, function um, that was created um, in 2009 by, by our chairman and CEO, John Chambers, to help drive a cross-functional strategy for cybersecurity at Cisco. Uh, it's a very special function in the company in that it touches every function, um, every theater, and every product that we make. The real gratifying part for me is to find out how many people across the Cisco ecosystem are really dedicated, committed, and working on driving a very comprehensive approach to cybersecurity across our product lines. Why don't you address that? I'm sure it's not just your company, even user organizations are looking at IT differently these days. I mean, can you really separate out uh, IT and IT security from one another? Well, you know, it's, it's funny. I think one of the one of the changes that's happening now is we're seeing a shift in the deployment model for cybersecurity, and this applies equally to the private sector as the public sector. I, I think for the past 20 or 30 years, we've looked at security, IT security, as kind of an overlay to the IT systems. And the shift we're seeing now is really much more towards an architectural approach, towards ensuring that each element of the IT stack has some fundamental uh, properties that allow us to do responsible risk management for our data. And how does that have an impact on how you develop products at Cisco? Well, we, we try to be driven by two things. One is by uh, customer feedback, and the second is by paying attention to market transitions. And in this particular area, we've identified three or four market transitions that are distinctly changing the landscape. Some of those transitions are associated with technology and the proliferation of connected devices. Uh, another transition is economic, being driven by virtualization and the cloud. Uh, a third transition is demographic, as the millennials enter the workforce and um, change uh, the way that IT systems operate through their use of things like social networks and um, mobile devices. And then the fourth is really geopolitical, and that's the ongoing impact of globalization, both on the supply chain and on um, how commercial vendors access global markets. And how are these transitions uh, having an impact on IT security? Well, I'll just give you an example. On the technology side, which is really the, the simplest of the transitions, what we're seeing, of course, is a continued uh, explosion in the number of devices connected to the network. This really started back in 1994 when the NSF uh, listed the acceptable use policy that prevented, accept, uh, that prevented commercial use of the Internet, and we started seeing sort of an inflection point of connected devices. Uh, we think that today there are on the order of maybe 10 a billion devices connected to the Internet, expected to grow to 50 billion over the next several years. But it's not so much the number of devices as it is the diversity of those devices. In retrospect, life was easy when all we had to do was download the Windows patch. Now uh, our devices are running many different operating systems, whether it's a desktop device, a mobile device, um, or increasingly um, Internet-connected devices like uh, sensors, security cameras, door locks, vehicles. It's become clear that a 
strategy for cybersecurity that's based on patching the endpoint is no longer viable. There simply isn't enough human capital on the planet to keep up with uh, security updates on all of those operating systems. So that leads us to uh, this, this notion of an architectural approach where we begin to integrate cybersecurity into the fabric of the network itself. Now, how much of a challenge is that since a lot of the architecture already exists? It's kind of interesting. The capabilities that we've been developing over the past 10 or 15 years actually exist in many uh, organizations' networks today, but they aren't always being fully leveraged. And one of the things we do when we're working with customers is we'll go in and do a, a network audit and point out, for example, some of the things that organizations can be taking advantage of now that may already exist in their network. So this isn't one of those situations where the solution requires a magical turning over of the installed base in, in uh, uh, short order. This is a, a, a place where many organizations actually have latent capabilities that they are not yet taking advantage of. Was that great foresight on the people developed that, or just something that was fortunate that it happened? Well, I don't know if it's a foresight or a, or, 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 or a lapse, but the, the example I'll give Eric is um, uh, NetFlow. NetFlow is a technology that has been part of uh, Cisco routers and switches for many years now and provides very rich sensor data that allows uh, organizations to baseline the normal behavior on their network and, and uh, improves dramatically their ability to detect when there's uh, an anomaly like an exfiltration. Um, but we probably haven't done as good a job as we should have in helping customers make the most use of that kind of feature. What are the kinds of security threats, existing or new ones, that are influencing the type of research going on at Cisco? Let me point to a, a, a metaphor that one of our security researchers uses that I think is, is uh, very compelling. He talks about the onion and the artichoke. And the notion here is that in the old days, uh, the exploits relied on a kind of peeling of the onion. First, you had to get... Um, by the perimeter defense, then you had to get by uh, the next level of defense. And you methodically, over a period of time, peeled layers off of the onion until uh, the adversary reached the asset that they were after. Today, it's really much more like an artichoke. The notion of the traditional network perimeter is gone forever. Remote access, mobile devices, interconnectivity with partner organizations and constituents and customers means that um, the, the, that kind of metaphor, the castle and moat metaphor, if you will, no longer applies. Now the adversaries have learned that they don't really need to peel off a layer. All they need to do is peel off a few leaves. And as they continue on, on this artichoke uh, model, peeling leaves, getting closer and closer to the heart of the artichoke, um, it, it, it requires a different kind of um, uh, defensive mechanism as well. What is that different kind of defensive mechanism? Well, this is a this is what we call an architectural approach. Uh, we have th this framework that we've developed called the architecture of trust, which is not a, a Cisco product or a Cisco service. It's really a framework for helping organizations develop a strategy to meet the new generation of cybersecurity uh, threats. Some people have referred to this. This is an evolution of concepts like defense in depth or cellular defense relying on simply a fortified perimeter to protect your IIT assets, but rather looking at 
um, inherent capabilities that protect those data assets themselves. Can you provide an example of, of this new, new approach? The architecture of trust is a simple model that's based on a, a three-layered um, architecture. At the, uh, the most fundamental layer at the bottom of the architecture are, are trusted uh, processes. If you don't have processes in place for how your uh, network is operated, how your people are trained, how you do protection, detection, and remediation, then nothing else really matters. The middle layer is what we call trusted systems. This is the traditional infrastructure layer and consists of your network infrastructure, uh, your computing infrastructure, your storage infrastructure, all of those components that provide services. The top layer is trusted services. And when we say services, it's in the SOA context. These are services uh, that are enabled by the IIT infrastructure. And those services also have to be designed with this concept of, of trust in mind uh, so that we have the appropriate level of visibility and resiliency uh, for the end user. So ultimately, what, what, what does this mean in a sense of the kinds of products or features to products that we'll be seeing coming out from Cisco in the next six months, a year, two years? The trend that you can see here is more advanced capabilities, not only in our security portfolio, but also embedded into our traditional uh, products. An example I'll give is work that we're doing right now um, on the policy side to make um, services like identity-based network ac uh, access more pervasive and applicable to a broader variety of both network devices and also applications. Thanks, Don. Thanks, Eric. I've been speaking with Don Proctor, Senior Vice President of Cisco Systems. For GovInfoSecurity.com and Information Security Media Group, I'm Eric Chabro. Thanks for listening.